Reading for December the 20th, 365, Haggai chapter 1. On August 29th of the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Serubabel, Serubabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord, the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up into the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You hope for rich harvest, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. While all of you are busy building your own fine houses, it's because of you that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. I have called for a drought on your fields and hills, a drought to wither the grains and grapes and olive trees and all of your other crops, a drought to starve you and your livestock and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Then, sir... Rubabel, son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God has sent, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messengers, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the situation of the whole remnant of God's people. And the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of Heaven's armies, on September 21st, on the second year of King Darius' reign. Then, on October 17th of that same year, the Lord sent another message through the prophet Haggai. Say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of God's people. There in the land, does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How, in comparison, does it look to you now? It must look like nothing at all. But now the Lord says, Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. And now get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid. For this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, 
the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and all the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. On December 18th of all the sec- of the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Ask the priest this question about the law. If one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robe, and his robe happens to brush against some bread or stew, wine, or olive oil, or any kind of food, will it also become holy? The priest replied, no. Then Haggai asked, if someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person and then touches any of these foods, will the food be defiled? And the priest answered, yes. Then Haggai responded, this is how it is with this people and this nation, says the Lord. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. Look at what happened to you before you began to lay foundations of the Lord's temple. When you hope for a 20-bushel crop, you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. I sent blight and mildew and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Even so, you refuse to return to me, says the Lord. Think about this 18th day of December, the day when the foundations of the Lord's temple was laid. Think carefully. I am giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn. You have not yet harvested your grain and your grapevines. Fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops. But from this day onward, I will bless you. On that same day, December 18th, the Lord sent this second message to Haggai. Tell Serubabel, the governor of Judah, that I am about to shake the heavens and the earth, I will overthrow royal thrones and destroy the powers of foreign kingdoms. I will return their chariots and riders. Their horses will fall and their riders will kill each other. But when this happens, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will honor you, Serubabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant. I will make you like a signet ring on my finger, says the Lord, for I have chosen you. I, the Lord of heaven's army, have spoken. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. <clears throat> Amen. In Revelation chapter 11, Then I, John, was given a measuring stick, and I was told to go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the number of worshipers, but do not measure the outer court, for it has been turned over to the nations. They will trample the holy city for 42 months, And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will be clothed in burlap and will prophesy during this 1,260 days. These two prophets are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire flashes from their mouth and consumes their enemies. This is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. They have power to shut the key so that no rain will fall for a long as they prophesy. 
excuse me, they have power to shut the sky so that no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy. And they have power to turn the rivers and the oceans into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. When they complete their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit will declare war against them and he will conquer them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem, the city that is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, the city where their Lord was crucified. And for three and a half days, all people, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their bodies. No one will be allowed to bury them. All the people who belong to this world will gloat over them and give presents to each other to celebrate the death of the two prophets who had tormented them. But after three and a half days, God breathed life into them, and they stood up. Terror struck all who were staring at them. Then a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets, Come up here, and they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched. At the same time, there was a terrible earthquake and that destroyed a tenth of the city. 7,000 people died in that earthquake and everyone else was terrified and gave glory to the God of heavens. The second terror is past, but look, the third terror is coming quickly. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. The 24 elders sitting on their thrones before God fell with their faces to the ground and worship him. And they said, We give thanks to you, Lord God, the Almighty, the one who is and who always was. For now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign the nations were filled with wrath, but now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people, and all who fear you. And all who fear your name, from the least to the greatest, it's a time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. Note. Revelations chapter 11, many Bible scholars believe that, that both the image of the temple and the image of the two prophets symbolize the church. Some of them also see the future literal dimension to John's picture as well. Others see it as strictly literal, whether historical or still to come. If these images do represent the church in some way, we can benefit from looking at them. The instruction to measure the temple echo the experience Ezekiel had. Ezekiel chapter 40, verses 3 to 14. For Ezekiel, the message was that God knows exactly who belongs to him and protects them. For believers today, the same is true. God knows who is included in his church, and he takes care of them. On the other hand, the picture of the two witnesses reminds us that the church will face terrible rest, resistance and persecution throughout the world today. We see believers being stripped of freedom and life because of their faith. While God knows and cares for his people, they will certainly endure great harm. God cares. God's care does not exclude such a possibility. This is true even if these witnesses are literal individuals. These two images complement each other, giving us a picture of God's sovereignty 
and love in the middle of our trials. Amen and amen. Open your heart to God's inspection. Rejoice in God's intricate involvement. Psalm 139. O Lord, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I am far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake up, you are still with me. O God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. O Lord, couldn't I have hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who despise you? Yes, yes, I hate them with the total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Proverbs chapter 30, 15 to 16. The leech has two suckers they, that cry out, more, more. There are three things that are never satisfied. No, four that never say enough. The grave, the barren woman, the thirsty land, and the blazing fire. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome to today's Bible study of 365 for December the 20th. We'll be reading the book of Haggai from chapter 1 to chapter 2, verse 23. In today's study, Haggai, God asked his people how they could live in luxury when his house was lying in ruins. The temple was the focal point of Judah's relationship with God, but it was still a heap of rubble. But instead of rebuilding God's temple, the people put their energies into beautifying their own homes. However, 
the harder the people work for themselves, the less they had because they ignored their spiritual lives. Interesting, huh? Judah had confused his priorities because the people had not given God first place in their lives. Their work was not fruitful or productive, and their material possessions did not satisfy. God's blessings was withheld because they no longer put him first. Moses had predicted that this would result if the people neglected God. Deuteronomy 28, 38 to 45. The same happens to us, like Judah. We put our hopes in our jobs, homes, relationships, and hobbies instead of in God. The problem is that none of these things can satisfy us. In scarcity or abundance, we always want more. God wants us to put our hopes in Him. When we do, we will find ourselves satisfied. Matthew 6.33 All other things will be peripheral blessings. It will be God who is our blessing. God wants to put our hopes in Him. When we do, we will find ourselves satisfied, content. Matthew 6.33 All other things will be peripheral blessings. It will be God who is our blessing. Wow, beautiful, beautiful writing of that, huh? Now let's go see and move over to the... Uh, Recovery Bible and see what theme it has. It says, God's plan must come first. When we first, when we first face obstacles to God's plans for us, it is easy to get sidetracked. It is tempting to follow the way of least resistance. The people of Jerusalem started rebuilding God's temple, but met with stiff opposition. Instead of trusting God and standing up to the opposition, the people quit the rebuilding project God had for them and began building their own homes. We tend to make the same mistake when we face an obstacle to God's program for recovery. We turn away and take away at least of least resistance. We hang on to destructive habits, activities, and relationships because it is easier. We may even begin a recovery program <coughs> That looks easier, but excludes God. When we reject God's program for recovery, we reject His power and blessings in our lives. We will face obstacles. The rebuilding process is never easy. Old friends may be threatened by the changes in our lives and set out to stop us. A codependent spouse may become insecure as we begin to grow and may make things difficult for us. We might fear the pain that comes with our recovery and try to avoid it. As we work through our recovery program, the temptation to abandon it will rear its ugly head time and time again. The Jews faced numerous obstacles as they sought to rebuild the temple. Local leaders try to stop them. Many times, the people became afraid and gave up on the task God had given them to do with God's help, the Haggai encouragement. However, the task resumed and God's temple was completed. God wants us to recover. He will help us overcome the obstacles if we look to Him for help. Require <coughs> Recovery, restoration requires action. 
It is much easier to recognize a problem than it is to do something about it. Again, it is easier to recognize a problem than to do something about it. God's people in Jerusalem knew the temple needed to be rebuilt. If their nation was to get back on the right track spiritually, they had to set out to complete the task, but have become discouraged and failed to, to follow through. Their failure to act over a period of years brought continued suffering upon them. Haggai called the people to act. We are called to do the same. Our recovery project must go beyond recognizing our problems. We must take active steps towards reconciliation with God, ourselves, and others. As we take these steps, as painful as they may be, we will be moving towards the recovery of our lives and our relationships. God called the people in Jerusalem to inventory their priorities. The people had returned from exile and started to rebuild the temple, but they had stopped when they face oppositions. They choose to build beautiful homes for themselves instead of finishing God's house. Their actions have proved that they were considering personal comfort more important than God. As a result, they suffered hard times. When we put God in the back seat of our lives, we become enslaved to other things. Alcohol, sex, work, relationships, money, pleasure, rage, or even religious activities. We must put God back in the driver's seat. If we give God top priority in our lives and seek to follow His will, no addiction is too great to overcome. Amen. There is a point in recovery when we must get beyond mere self-examination. We need to stop talking about our problem and take concrete steps to change. We are like the people in the Haggai's day when, who already knew God, God's will for them. They were to rebuild the God's temple. They just needed to act on their knowledge. The Israelites finally took concrete steps to complete the task God had given them. As we take our inventory regularly, we soon become aware of the things we need to change. We know whom we have hurt and have a good idea of what we should do. When we reach the, this point, it is time to act. If we don't take concrete active steps, we cannot progress in recovery. The former temple had been destroyed nearly 70 years earlier, so there were few alive who could remember it. The few elderly people who had seen Solomon's temple were sad because the new temple would never match the old one in splendor. God made it clear, however, that their rebuilding projects would result in a temple even more glorious than the first. As we work towards recovery, the pain over what we have lost through our addictions need not distract us from building for a worthy future. There's always hope when we rebuild with God's help. Amen. <clears throat> 